I'm David Farrier, a New Zealander accidentally marooned in America, and I want to figure out what makes this country tick. Now, as soon as I started to settle in the United States, I found a few bars that I liked. I love bars in America, mainly because you can go on your own like a total loser and just sit up at the bar and do your thing, and that's normal. You don't need friends. There might be sports on that you can watch, or you can just strike up a conversation with someone random next to you. The last time I was at a bar, I met Rhonda, who was in a reminiscing kind of mood. We live on the boulevard, so there's been gruesome moments. I watched a guy get hit on a motorcycle, and I watched him fly up in the air, and his shoes and his helmet went everywhere. In New Zealand, going out solo isn't really done. You have to be with friends, and friends are great, but sometimes you just want to have some time to yourself. Or meet someone like Rhonda. The other thing I like about some of the bars in America is that they have pinball machines that you can play. I'm not sure when I started really noticing this, but they're an extra thing to do. And like drinking, they can be done solo or with friends. And so today, we turn to pinball, a game America turned into a phenomenon, one that's currently booming here in the US. I wanted to explore the origins of the game and where it fits into American culture in 2023. So... Hold on to that table and make sure your reaction times are up to speed, because this is the pinball episode. Flatless, flatless, flatless bird touchdown in America. I'm a flatless bird touchdown in America. Probably one of the more wild transitions in an intro. I sort of just was thinking about bars a lot, and then I met Rhonda. And then it's sort of, oh, there are pinball machines. But that listening back to that introduction, that was rough. That was a rough transition to the topic. It was a ride. I like it. It's a mystery. We don't have that many mysteries. No, we don't, do we? No, yeah, I would and- actually like it if you would include a couple more mysteries. I can work, I can work on that. <laughs> sort of the intro, you just have no idea what's about to happen, ever. Yeah. But you do have a lot of pinball machines and bars here. It's not something you really have in New Zealand, but I've just noticed in a lot of bars there will be a little pinball machine. And I got intrigued. And then I started playing a little bit and I just realized how fun pinball can be. Like, when was the last time you played? Have you played pinball recently or ever? I have played it. Definitely not recently. Must have been like October 17th. 2002. <laughs> so so specific. What was that date? What happened on that date that that memory's burned into your skull? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I know I've played it. Well, we did have in my hometown where I am currently, there was a place called Bogies and it was a sports bar and they also had trivia every week. And my best friend's dad had a trivia team. So we would go with him while him and his friends did trivia and we would hang around there. And I think there were games like pinball and stuff that we would play. And also there was a lava cake. <gasps> oh. What's a lava cake? Oh my gosh. Chocolate lava cake. You no. would love this because it's so childlike. It's a cake and then you like get into it and then it oozes of chocolate. <gasps> Is it like sauce, like chocolate sauce? Yeah, like molten chocolate. It's so good. Oh, I love this. This is amazing. And you sort of just guzzle it up. You sort of scoop it up with a spoon. How are you having the lava? Well, it's good if you have ice cream so you can you can like make it into a little oh. soupy and but then oh you have the God. hard pieces of cake. Still moist <sighs> cake, but you know, it's all it's delicious. Oh, this sounds so, ah, 
I'm really excited about this. It's and not I'm in distracted. New Zealand. Wow, we got to do, and we should do an episode on lava cake. Oh no, we're definitely doing an episode on lava cake and also trivia. That's another very American thing. Yes, and we should go. Oh no, 100 percent trivia team. Down. I'm so bad at it. Rob will be so good. I can't wait. Rob will be amazing. I get so intimidated when I'm put on the spot to say a random fact about a thing. It's a panic pace for me. So we'll be great. It's all <laughs> going to be on Rob's shoulders. <laughs> oh, it'll be really fun. <laughs> just quickly, I forgot about this. A headline here just came in. Whisper Audio unveils ultra quiet electric leaf blower powered <gasps> by aerospace tech. So here wow. we go. Just there's a leaf blower out the window right now as well. So this is great news. What's the price point on it? It doesn't have a price point. It sort of looks like something NASA's built. So I imagine it's going to be quite expensive. So the local gardeners will all have it quickly. <laughs> yeah. Look, I live in hope. Very exciting news. Probably the most exciting news I've read in a long time. I think what will happen is that you are going to be so excited. Then the world is going to convert and you're going to miss that sound. You're going to feel untethered. It's like when they say they could remove mosquitoes. We fucking hate mosquitoes. But if they were gone, what? It could have impacts we don't know. I'm just saying. It's an incredible theory. I'm not one to stick up for mosquitoes. I do hate them. I just thought it was a good analogy. No, there's a day here where there's nothing but leaf blowers and also people chainsawing down or cutting down branches. It's like the war on nature day is like a Wednesday in my neighborhood. And it's so loud. It's like there's a chainsaw over here. There's a hedge trimmer over there. There's a leaf blower over there. I'm just sort of forming a theory about how America is just trying to really push back against Mother Nature and sort of slowly cut it and blow it back into oblivion because it's getting out of hand. That's because it's the day before garbage day and they're getting the trimmings ready for garbage day. Is that what it is? In LA, garbage day is crazy. No, you don't have garbage day in New Zealand. Where does the garbage go? (laughs) No, we have garbage day, but I think there's more garbage At least on my street in L.A., there's more garbage than I've ever seen before. So there's these big skips, right? It's not just the little wheelie bins that you wheel out to the curb. There's these giant skips outside the apartments. And when the truck comes and lifts those up and puts out the trash, it's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's crazy. And when that combines with leaf blower day and chainsaw day and hedge trimmer day, it's crazy out there. Oh, my God. Well, okay. This is for another day, I guess, or a previous day that we already did. But in an apartment, there's a lot of people who have garbage. Single bins are for one house, and those still exist. If you own a house here, you have single bins. Rob, do you have single bins? Yeah. Yeah. And my apartment has the same thing you're you're referring to as a skip. Do you not call it a skip here? I don't know what that's called, actually. It's a dumpster. That's a dumpster. Yeah, dumpster fire. Oh, I thought a dumpster was a place you went to. That's the tip. What? what? <laughs> now you're just fucking with us. <laughs> no, the, you go to the tip. That's like the big hole in the ground where you, and so environmentally friendly, where you just bury all the rubbish. Well, David, you're talking about the dumpster that gets wheeled out on garbage day, but that's normally in an alleyway where people are bringing their trash from the apartment. Yeah, one of those things. And they need it, obviously, but it's just so loud. And it's right, my window right next to me here, it's, because we're recording this remotely, it's, and also, Monica, I should point out, you're you're in a, a sort of a, where are you right now? <laughs> I'm looking at you on Zoom, and you're in sort of a cupboard. Yeah, I am. I'm in a basement, ding, 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 a small, small storage closet in the basement with carpet. It looks hectic. <laughs> the shelf behind you looks like the trunk of your car. 
It's just a massive mess. The shelves there, but it's like someone's gone in and just throwing things on these shelves. See, I come by it honestly. It's a mess. Hold on. Let's see if I can lift this. I can give you a little It's just like tour. upside down cups and saucers and different items. Part of it is the angle maybe a little. Well, that part's bad because that's, that's a mess. But yeah, there's like extra. It's her cooking stuff that she can't fit in the kitchen. Oh, big pots and pans and things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my dad's old files there's so many envelopes i don't know what those fucking envelopes are and this is my childhood desk oh that's cute that's like a really beautiful wooden oh those are my old stickers little love hearts and everything this is so beautiful <laughs> and that's my abcs at the top in that weird string that's really really endearing that's really really great this is your old childhood <laughs> room yeah it was that's why i love harry potter so much i can really relate this desk has such a history. When I was five, I was climbing on it to get something from the top and I fell. I got this huge. Like a gash. Yeah. But in my mind, I was climbing the Eiffel Tower <laughs> yes, or something. It yeah, was so high up and such a big drop. And now I see it's just regular. Yeah. It's funny your memories as a kid. Uh, so, so different to reality. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's funny. Okay. Pinball. Okay. Bogies. Pinball. Yeah. So pinball, I recently become interested in it because my friends had their child's birthday party. And so they rented a pinball sort of repair shop, but out the front, they had a lot of pinball machines you could actually use, but the kids were not really that into it. They just wanted to chase each other around and play tag and that kind of thing. And basically walked into this kid's party and all it was was just the adults concentrating so hard on these pinball machines while the kids were just being ignored. And it was the best. You could see it tapped into something in an adult brain. And then I started playing. There's something about all the lights and the sounds. And it's so hands-on. It's all mechanical moving parts you can see. And there's something really sort of hypnotizing about it. I guess it reminded me a bit of being in a casino as well, where you're pulling you know, levers and there's lights and there's sounds. And something about that really activate something in your brain that just really wants to play. Yeah. It's also nostalgic for people. I think arcade games make a certain generation very nostalgic. Yeah, absolutely. I've also noticed a few people in LA have bought them. You can buy them for your home now. So people are forking out thousands to have them. There's vintage ones, and then they're still making brand new machines you can buy for like $7,000, which is a lot. I should be clear, no, we definitely have them, and I've definitely paid before, but I've sort of been reminded of them in America because they're just much more prevalent here. As we're going to learn in this documentary a bit later on, pinball had its boom here. This is where machines we play today became realized, and nothing's really changed since then. Like America's the one that's sort of innovating and making all the new tech, and so I would say, I would argue, very American. All right, I'm excited. Let's hear it. It's 7.30pm on a Tuesday night and I've driven out to Long Beach, California for a meeting of the Long Beach Pinball League. It was their pre-season meetup, meant a chance for new players to practice and existing players to bring friends along. Walking into the Long Beach Beer Lab, the brewery and pizza place where they meet, the first person I bump into is Les. He's in his 50s, wearing a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, revealing a lot of tattoos. He fills me in on what Long Beach is all about. It's very diverse. You have millionaires and homeless people live right next to each other. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I live in such a 
bad place, and then I see tourists here from Europe, right on my beach, all like speaking their language, like you, and they're like, oh, they spent lots of money to come here. <laughs> I should be happy that I live here. And then you always hear them, Disneyland? <laughs> and I'm like, ah. So we take for granted a lot of it. Less is this pinball league is like a social club. Looking around, I inhale the smell of beer and pizza. Some people are here just for that. But then along one wall is a line of pinball machines and a crowd starting to gather for the night's activities. The head of the league, Tom Walker, is pulling out a bunch of t-shirts he's designed for the league. He says they just had their finals for the last season. So what happens is we break them up into two divisions. So the top eight players play each other in like an elimination bracket. And then everybody else plays like a strikes tournament. Do you have players that are just absolutely just so far ahead of others? Or is it pretty even at that point? So the top eight, it could have been anybody's game. Sometimes someone sneaks into the top eight and yeah, I feel sorry for them because they're really good at, at that level. But with our league, it's different in that we really just cater to all levels of players. Looking around, the thing that strikes me is that I would never ever picture these people all together in the same room. There are different sexes and ethnicities and fashion. Some here are teenagers, some are old. Going on some of the tans and wrinkles, some players have been living at Long Beach for a long time. This is your first time? Yes. What brought you here? My friends. <laughs> Maybe trying to not let them look so bad. <laughs> How's it been? It's wonderful. Everybody's so nice. Tom runs this league with his wife of 17 years, Jessica. They both adore pinball. It's universal. If you're somewhere, you can play it by yourself. You can play it with one other person. You can play it with four. And it's something you can do drinking, non-drinking. I mean, depending on your crowd of people that you're hanging out with. That's why it brings the community together so fiercely, especially here in Long Beach. Because Long Beach is a very community-driven place. This league is part of the International Flipper Pinball Association, the IFPA for short. Formed in America 17 years ago, it's now made up of 96,000 players from 45 countries, including the players in this room tonight. While some leagues in America are more hardcore, this one at Long Beach is a little more laid back. That's not to say they don't have amazing players, they just keep it more low-key. If you're at Long Beach, it feels like things should be more chill out here, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. We've got a good vibe in Long Beach. I grew up in Southern California, moved to Oregon for about 15 years, and, and that's where I kind of got into the like bar arcade, because it's really popular up there. Staring around the room, I see a few different eras of pinball machines in their collection. A Jurassic Park one takes my eye. That was released by Stern back in 2019. It reminds me that pinball is tied so strongly to American pop culture. What makes a good pinball game? Is it the gameplay? Is it how complicated it gets? What do people want? I think it depends on what you prefer. I've talked to some designers. We were just down in San Diego Comic-Con and there was a designer down there I was talking to. He really likes flow. If you can just get the ball kind of moving. Some people like really challenging shots. Some people like some people like objectives. But for instance, like this game, it's a new game. It's called Total Nuclear Annihilation. It's by Spooky Pinball. And it was a throwback game. So if you look at it, it looks like an old game, but it was made like a couple years ago. And the whole object of it is that you've got to dial in the keypad up there, then hit it in the reactor, then your shots become lit. Once you get those shots that are lit, 
you blow up the reactor, then that lights the number one. And then you gotta do the whole thing over again. So it's really actually very simple, but like complex to master. I've heard a few people saying this, that a good pinball table should be easy to understand, but really tough to master. I bumped back into Les, who's been watching me talk to Tom and Jessica with curiosity. Turns out he had a big weekend. He just saw Metallica play not once, but twice. Yeah, it was so great. Both nights, Friday and Sunday. You went both nights? Both nights. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Cheers, of course. <laughs> Cheers. Why wouldn't we, right? I'm jealous. It's Metallica. Um, two nights, no repeats. What? <laughs> tonight, though, it's all about pinball. Les often comes down here with his son, but tonight he's solo. He's been part of this league for only three months, and he loves it. They'll explain everything to you. Yeah. The beer's good, right? Yeah. And um, you don't have to be good. You just have fun. He introduces me to Precious, who's been playing a little longer. I think this is my third season. Have you always played pinball since you were a kid, or is it a new thing? So growing up, I played like the Windows computer version of pinball, and so... Same. Exactly. Always a good time. And then when I heard about this via Reddit, actually, I was like, I need to be here, and that's when I actually started to play pinball. The greatest thing about pinball. Yeah. I think the community here, everyone is just so friendly and ready to help, and just, we're all here for a good time, and I just, like... Everyone from all walks of life like shows up here, and yeah, everyone here is just so amazing, which I love. Suddenly, I hear my name over the speakers. Someone signed me up for a pinball team. I heard my name. Yeah, you're on Scooby-Doo, you're player three. Okay. I'll introduce you to your group. I'm excited to play, but there's immediately a problem. Tom sorts me out. I've encountered my first problem. I don't have quarters, so I should have bought some with me. That is a truly rookie mistake not bringing quarters to a pinball tournament everybody does it once he lets me borrow some quarters and load it up with the small silver coins america seems to love so much i hand my sound gear to bethany who's a teacher by day pinball player by night i like the mechanical aspects you can really physically see everything moving and some machines have parts that all move around and stuff which is cool versus like a video game on a screen it's so flat she agrees to narrate my game. He's choosing a character. He chose Daphne, everybody. Daphne. It was all downhill from there, really. And I learned that when the steel ball falls down between those two flippers, it's called a drain. A depressing drain. He drained, but it's okay. It should come back around. There it is. Ooh. The hand-eye coordination <laughs> is almost there. That was, I saw what happened and I'm truly embarrassed by that. How was your first pinball? It was really good, it was fun, but I'm deeply embarrassed by using the incorrect hand. The right one was meant to go, but the left hand fired. You know what? You have another round. There's three, it's great. The other rounds didn't go much better for me. I think you need a few different things to be a good pinball player. You need some strategy, some good reaction times. You need to know the game and you need to stay calm. I wasn't very good at any of those things. Oh. Oh. So close. I felt anger there and I hit the machine. It happens. My hand hurt from hitting the table. I go and watch other people play. And there are some amazing players here. I wonder if my technique was just bad. Maybe I need to do that thing where you tap the table to make the ball do what you want. Yeah. It's called nudging, yeah. Is that allowed or not allowed? Yeah. 
you can nudge it as long as like most machines have a thing called danger and tilt. So if you nudge too hard, you get a tilt and it turns the whole thing black and then the ball like automatically, you can't do anything. I order some pizza and it's delicious. One of the players, Mika, shouts me an IPA. I'm feeling better, even in my failure. Tom brings over a tablet to show me how everyone's ranked tonight as the night comes to an end. I realize that because I've played, I am now officially in the system of the International Pinball Flipper Association. It now has 96,001 players. And so here's where we're at now. And then you can track the standings. So Billy Ralph, Dennis Eichhorn, Mitch, and Joe are the top players tonight. And we would... Where's my name on that list? Let's scroll down to find me. I'm not at the bottom. 28. 28, there you go. 31's the bottom, I'm fourth from the bottom. Fourth from the bottom, not bad. I'll take it. So yeah, that was my first pinball tournament and I had a really good time. Everyone out there was would always laugh at the end of a sentence. It was like this really jolly vibe, which I really got into. They do seem like really fun people. And you did lash out as what is now a pattern. You lashed out in pickleball. Now you lashed out here. Yeah, I felt like how I felt when I slammed the laptop on my therapist that time. It was like a sudden anger. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it does really shock me. And I got it quite a few times. I think I was angry at myself because my body would react in the wrong way. Like I'd just clearly do something too slow or stupid. And I really hit the machine. I whacked the side of it and made a noise like a big grunt. It felt good to do. Was that before or after you've re-entered therapy? No, I've been doing therapy. So I didn't actually bring it up Uh with my therapist. My therapist always says, how's the week been? And I'm like, it's been fine. (laughs) Oh my God. What do you guys talk about? Tell us about your therapy. I try and always turn it back on the therapist because I always think it's a bit of an uneven relationship because they know so much about you. So I'm always trying to learn more about them. So I sort of try and like find out how their morning was and then like try and find out what else is going on in their life. And it's hard to do because it's not the way therapy is meant to work, but I try and flip it on its head. No. Oh my God. Okay. We're not going to go down that wormhole. Did that make you want to have a bit of a, a flipper pinball time? It did make me feel nostalgic for that vibe and bogeys. There's much more to it than I thought. I didn't know about all the rules and the going dark. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I didn't realize a lot of things about pinball. So if you you get too abusive towards the machine, like if I'd kept whacking it, it would have just turned off and gone dark. Another thing that was really amazing to watch good players play is that they're suddenly just doing things that you don't even, I didn't even know was possible on the table. Like mostly when I play it, just you hit a few things and the ball disappears. But, you know, suddenly these players had three different balls in play and they were playing one ball up on a top level, one further down. So I always thought pinball was a bit, you know, pretty random. But no, if you're a good pinball player, holy shit, it's really impressive and really fun to watch. That's really cool. I would like to watch an expert at it because that does sound fun. Yeah, we're going to, what we're going to do, and I know often so we do this, we'll do that, and we just have too many things to do, but we should go to Waltz because they've got, I know you're not drinking at the moment, but they've got some yummy wine or, or some or root beer or something or water or whatever you have when you're not drinking. Great. And it's a really cute atmosphere and the pinball machines are really fun. So I think we should do one Waltz round. I love that. Let's do it when I'm back. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I also do love the different themes of the tables. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's the other thing, because as I say, there's new machines coming out. So, you know, there are like two Foo Fighters pinball machines at the moment that you can get. And they're really amazing. So there's like pinball machines based around big bands. And then there's obviously around movies like Jurassic Park. Do you think there's a Goodwill Hunting one? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That'd be so great. I feel like the pace of (laughs) pinball might not suit that particular theme. There might be like need to be a bit more like (sighs) slow and reserved. Would be beautiful though. It would be beautiful. It'd be beautiful. They should try it and send me one. And I'm happy to promote it. I do think what's interesting though is they kind of hacked the brain, like the algorithm before computers did. Keep it simple, but have quick bursts of validation so you keep going. Yeah. The next part of the doc is going to go a bit into the history of how this stuff kind of came to be, but they put enough in there where you do get that little, even if you're failing miserably, you get enough wins that just makes you want to keep feeding those quarters in. And that becomes incredibly addictive. Yeah. The original dopamine boost that you don't know is happening. They invented that. As a kid, did you ever play any, I don't know, video games or pinball machines or arcades? Did you have any of those that you kind of got into a little bit or not at all? A little bit Mario Kart and Mario World and a little bit of Tetris, all on 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the first time I ever left New Zealand was to go to Canada. It was our family's first overseas trip. And I just remember I spent so much of that trip just glued to Super Mario Brothers, just playing video games. And it was the first video game I ever played. And it's just so funny. It just shows how, yeah, I'm in this new country. There's like all this exciting stuff around me. But me and my brother were just like glued to a video game most of the time, which is so funny in hindsight. Stay tuned for more Flightless Bird. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Flightless Bird is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, I don't know about you, Monica, but I'm finding daylight savings and it getting dark early so depressing and horrible. It is awful. It is, right? I think it's maybe worse than other years. Yeah, something's going on. (laughs) I've felt low and things aren't going well this week. And I think it is something to do with this whole daylight saving thing. Look, it is entirely normal to feel some sadness and anxiety about this kind of stuff because they're not going to take daylight savings away. We're stuck with it. So you can do something else and try some therapy. It can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change and weirdness of the year. Even if you go in with something you feel like can't be changed, like the daylight saving situation, Mm -hmm. you can talk about it to your therapist and they actually might have some tools for how to combat it. Yeah, I sometimes when I go into a therapy session, I will think I have nothing to talk about. And then holy shit. There's stuff to talk about. There's always stuff. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bird today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bird. Okay, next part of the doc. I am going to explore my theory that pinball is as American as apple pie. It's American as beavers. beavers. (laughs) Yeah, that was a bit rough, wasn't it? That beavers ep. (laughs) All right. No, I liked it. I liked it. As I spent time with the Long Beach Pinball League, I found myself becoming curious about where pinball even came from. This idea of ricocheting balls off things to hit other things. I mean, I imagine hundreds of thousands of years ago, cavemen were busy bouncing rocks off the cave walls. But it's generally agreed that the basic concept of pinball didn't start in America, 
but in Europe in the 1600s. The Europeans loved various games that involved rolling balls around on the grass, and so they wanted to move things indoors. The French came up with bagatelle tables, wooden boxes that looked a bit like a pinball table. Using a stick, you'd fire a ball into the table, and there'd be various obstacles and things to try and hit. Then around 1870, British inventor Montag Redgrave moved to Ohio and took out US patent number 115357, adding a coiled spring to the mix, which would fire marbles onto the table. Things were getting more American, and way more pinball-y. By the 30s, things had evolved to coin-operated machines. American David Gottlieb coming up with Baffle Ball, which sold 50,000 units. Other names floated around, Wiffleboard and Ballyhoo, but eventually America just landed on calling it Pinball. Pinball popped off in the 30s. Dozens and dozens of manufacturers, mostly based out of Chicago. They were closely aligned with gambling machines. And at one point, the mob was heavily controlling their distribution around America. For reasons like that, it wasn't smooth sailing. In the 40s, the mayor of New York went after slot machines and pinball machines. They became either outlawed or really heavily regulated. Pinball also took hit during World War II when manufacturers had to shut down or switch to making more important things like parachute harnesses or bits of weapons. After World War II, pinball got big again. Flippers were added to pinball machines. The game became less about chance and more about skill. In the 60s, multiplayer pinball machines were invented, and designs kept being refined and changed. It was still banned in places like New York, but in other parts of America, pinball was booming. I wanted to talk to someone who experienced pinball during this time, while pinball was still controversial. I'm a pinball addict. It's been a long time. I knew Tom Raider loved pinball because the name on his email wasn't Tom Raider, it was Tom Pinball. My dad uh, got me uh, addicted indirectly when he was going for his teacher's master's degree back in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. He was going to college, uh, getting his master's, and he had a part-time job at a tavern, and they had uh, pinball machines and bingos. Instead of getting a babysitter, he'd bring me along. I was maybe five years old. This is the early 60s. And he just set me on a bar stool in front of a row of uh, pinball machines with an ashtray full of nickels and just, you know, let me have it. During the 60s in America, pinball wasn't always easy to play. And obviously it was outlawed in a lot of places in L.A. and New York and Chicago. And uh, so pinball wasn't around everywhere. But there was various times at bowling alleys you'd come across it. When I really got rehooked was in high school. That's because in the 70s, pinball bans were finally being lifted in New York, Chicago and Los Angeles. Journalist and pro-American pinball player Roger Sharp had a lot to do with that. In 1976, he did a big pinball demonstration showing the New York City Council that pinball was a game of skill, not gambling. There's a film about it from a few years ago called Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game. It's worth a watch. This probably sounds weird, but I play pinball all the time. Helps me focus. Are you any good? It may be the thing that I am best at. For over three decades, pinball was banned in New York City. I want to show the city council members that they've had it wrong for all these years. Well, you're a reporter. I just have a question about the pinball ban, sir. Somebody keep these damn kids away from me. As a side note, I do wonder how many movies they're going to make about old bits of American pop culture. Nostalgia porn. There's a pinball one. The Beanie Bubble. Tetris. Air, yeah, Flamin' Hot Barbie. America is on a roll. Anyway, pinball. 
With bans lifted in 76, pinball got even bigger. Here's Roger Sharp and his colleague on the news in 1990. It's an interactive game. It's physical, it's mental. In a lot of ways, it's a mystical experience as well. Mystical experience? Well, yeah, let me amend that a lot like sex statement to say that it's a, it's a special kind of thing. Let's just put it that way. Yes, in the 90s, they were comparing pinball to sex. You're literally in, in another world, a fantasy world. And there is a sort of horniness associated with pinball. Just take the scene from Dazed and Confused where a sexy Matthew McConaughey strolls through an arcade filled with pinball machines. Here comes the story of the hurricane. The authorities came to play. And the artwork on the machines has become almost as iconic as the games themselves. And I might be wrong here, but for a while, it did seem to target a more male audience. Pinball was in pizza joints and bowling alleys, 7-Elevens and bars. It was ingrained in American culture. A game where guys got to show off in front of the opposite sex, impressing them with their reaction times and skill. And Tom Raider, who got hooked on pinball age five, well, he got into it big as an adult. Not content with pinball machines at a local arcade, he wanted them at his house. Like many Americans who love pinball, he got interested in the home market. I had no idea how much it would cost, whether it be like $300 or $3,000. I ended up buying one for about 600 bucks. It was a Williams Laser Q. This was about 92, 93, and the game was probably about the mid-80s, 82, 83, 10 years old. Right there, I was hooked, and then I needed to get another one. You get bored with one, playing one, so then I found out about this place called Super Auctions in Orange County, California, and they had an auction every last Saturday of the month where operators that had old equipment that they no longer wanted or wasn't making money for them, they'd bring it to the auction to sell it off to whoever wanted to buy it. And they'd had hundreds of pinball games and hundreds of video games, so these auctions would go on all day. And through that, I bought several more games and then networked with other people there, got other contacts and found out about this or that or this publication, uh, Pinball Classifieds, and it started out slow, but then it just kept growing and growing where it became the hunt was more exciting than the actual playing of pinball, finding a game across country, making a deal, then arranging uh, shipping. And that wasn't cheap either. That Sometimes that almost costs as much as the pinball game. How much money do you think you sunk into collecting so far? Over the years, I bought over 350 pinball games. I was maybe spending about $500 per game. Now, this is back mostly in the 1990s and the early 2000s. It's a lot of money to be dropping. Yeah, yeah. 350 pinball machines at $500 each, that's $175,000. He could afford this because he was doing something else very American, working on oil fields for 36 years. He moved around a lot, could visit a lot of sellers, and he was earning enough money to buy what he wanted. And luckily for him, his other half was into it. Well, I met my wife through pinball. She had a pinball machine on eBay, and uh, I bid on it. I won it. So I went up to uh, pick it up, and we got to talking, and seven, eight months later, we were married. Well, that's really beautiful. Yeah. What's the difference in the market for collecting authentic old games that are around and new creations that are being made? Okay. There's kind of two different school groups. There's the electromechanical classic pinball from, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's when it was just purely electromechanical 
But then in the late 70s, at solid state, the circuit ICs and uh, whatnot came around. And from about 78 on up to today is all solid state electronics. But now the new games, I don't really enjoy the new games for two reasons. They cost a lot and uh, there's just so much going on, you don't know where the ball is. I like the simpler games of the you know 50s, 60s, and 70s where you can it's a simple objective. You know what to shoot for. Some of the modern games, but they're what's revived the pinball industry. Instead of selling to route operators, they're selling to the home game market. Dentists and doctors and engineers that have money to burn, so they're buying these machines, which are now about maybe six or seven thousand dollars. I think back to that Jurassic Park machine I'd been eyeing up at Long Beach. I looked online and yeah, it's $6,999 to buy new. Collectors with a bit of money have given Pinball an extra lease on life. It strikes me as something constantly in flux, Pinball. Banned and not banned, popular then unpopular. The Pinball industry has been a leader in pushing new tech, at the forefront of using microchips and circuit boards to power its games. And that's helped it keep coming back. But maybe the main reason Pinball keeps coming back is simple. I think of Mika, the guy in the tie-dye shirt who bought me that beer out at Long Beach. He had a really good point. So I think people like things that they can hold in their hands that feel real. Because so much of our lives, you pay your bills on the internet, you have to double factor authenticate on your iPhone or whatever, then you want a metal ball against metal planks, you know? It, it feels good. In increasingly unsettled times, as things slip from between our fingers, or we worry that they're about to, a pinball machine is something you can grab onto. And then you look around you and see all the people doing the same thing. And the world feels a bit less lonely and a bit more real. So as you can tell, Monica, I love pinball. I fall in love with pinball. I think I'm going to stay in the league. I'm going to keep playing. You know, Rob can play his fantasy football. I'm going to be out there in my <laughs> pinball league You're with my pinball buddies, you know, trying to get up from place 9060. Wow. That's fun. I like this for you. It It's on brand. It's on brand. I could be a pinball addict, couldn't I? You totally, totally could. I forgot to bring up something that we know everyone has thought, hmm. that you have also in this episode referred to somebody's arms. <laughs> just, yeah, I just think... <laughs> Maybe it's the time of the season at the moment, but just, I don't know. You see, when you see a pair of arms sticking out, I don't know. I like, maybe I just like arms. You yeah. notice arms. Yeah, I don't know. Big man, the arms. I just find them. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it. I have been pointing out arms a lot lately. You have. And especially when they're rugged or tattooed or something like that. By the way, I love a masculine arm as well. Mm. I mean, there's something about them. If you're going to the effort of displaying them, they're probably going to be good. And often when they come paired with a tattoo and a bit of a tan, boy, it just really gets me, obviously gets me going. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen this Metallica fan. I mean, he'd been to two shows and he just had uh, yeah, great tattoos, great skin tone, good muscle bulk. What a guy. Les, loved him, loved him. <laughs> Oh, I really loved what he said about two shows, no repeats. That's oh, impressive. Yeah, that's something Metallica does to sort of, I guess, show off their back catalog. Fans that do go multiple times, they just get a completely different show. That's kind of magical. Yes, it is. That's so cool. That, and that's a great way. That's the way to get me, speaking of addict, if I was going to a show, someone I really liked, and I knew that, I would go to everyone. 
Like if Taylor did a different show every night, I would have had You'd be to down. And she's probably if she one. made her show like a little bit shorter, she could very easily do two completely unique shows because she's got too much stuff. I'm going to her movie today. I've booked in the front row. When I booked the front row, the first two rows were empty and all the other seats were sold. I just checked the seating map out at the Grove and it's now entirely full. <laughs> and I also realized that in sitting in the front row, I kind of wanted to give myself like a very visceral, obnoxious kind of like immersive, like the screen's right there. I'm going to be craning my head up. But I also realized now that being in the front row means that I'm going to be directly in front of the dance pit. <laughs> <laughs> And then I panicked, and then I panicked because I was like, oh, my God, I can't just be a 40-year-old man on my own set. And the front row is like children like dance in front of me, and I'm surrounded by them. So I got another ticket, and I'm inviting my friend oh, Alvi. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. Yes, you posted. I did feel the need to comment on your post because you were very negative, and I had to tell you to stop yeah and that's fair i was i did sort of bait people a little bit because yeah, i posted a screenshot of the fact i was going and said you know this is essentially this is going to be just horrific and you know i knew that would elicit some sort of negative responses yeah why'd you do that why did you do that you are so funny you are so provocative in your social media slash written work but yeah, I don't know what it is. Then it's, you are so not in life. Yeah, it's a sickness I think I have. It's not a good <laughs> thing. But obviously, a lot of people are like laughing along and being like, oh, this will be tough for you. There's two things, right? That yes. make this screening so crazy for me. I like metal music. I like really pretentious stuff. Like I'm a snob. You know, I want to like the band that no one else knows about. There's all that stuff. Plus, mm. I really like the idea of a cinema being a really quiet, beautiful space. And so the idea of just being crazy down there. I know. I'm so excited to hear I know, about I'm this. I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I'm going to sort of interview people down there. But then a very angry group came on to Instagram who basically said, I hate women, very angry at me. And and then, uh, so that was like a big thing. I'm a misogynist. And I just sort of pointed out, like, I'm pretty confident I'm not a misogynist. I'm definitely a snob. But, you know, I'd argue if Ed Sheeran was doing the same thing and I was sitting front row at an Ed Sheeran IMAX surrounded by people dancing and singing, I'd be sort of equally as, as worried. But no, it got intense. Yeah, but I yeah, deserved yeah. it all because I was a provocative little shit when I posted it. Yeah, your your beef is not with women. It's with the mainstream. And I also think it's funny, though, because do you think that the music you listen to is pretentious? No, I don't. I think some of it is. My default is metal because there's so many subgenres and you, you want to discover things first and find out things that maybe you haven't heard before. You're always try, trying to push how extreme something can be. Sure. And there's elements of being a bit pretentious in that. I definitely have elements of that. But then I also mm. like really popular stuff. I mean, I'll go to a Metallica show in, in the metal world. That's as populous as you can get. And I've been to a Taylor Swift right. show as well. She came to New Zealand and the show was, it was amazing. I had 1989 on CD. I think wow. that's actually a really good record. So no, I support Taylor. I just am a bit scared about being, a, you know, I mean, think about it. I'm a 40-year-old man sitting front row in a theater surrounded by like... <laughs> screaming people it's gonna be something else it will be i'll facetime you you're in a different time zone but maybe i can facetime you from inside the theater because Please i'm curious do. how much it translates to the experience of actually being at the live show 
It's a Thursday at 7 p.m. And that show is booked. Yeah. Yes. She is the most powerful person on earth. I love it. Yeah, I just I saw it. a headline and it's they're two very different things. And this headline is sort of made to cause controversy as well. But, you know, Martin Scorsese has this incredible format like Killers of Flower Moon. It's been crushed by the Taylor Swift film in the box office. She's such a big phenomenon. A lot of people are making that comparison. I saw it and I do think that's a false comparison because part of the reason that movie is not doing well is because there's a strike and no one can promote anything. And people don't even know that movie's out. Taylor can promote her movie and, and is, as she should, that has nothing to do with SAG or actors or anything. But I knew a year ago about the Scorsese movie coming out and then all of a sudden I saw this article <laughs> comparing it to Taylor Swift. But I hadn't, I didn't know it was out in theaters and stuff. Yeah. That's a strike issue. Would love for that to be over. Yeah, and, and Taylor is just, yeah, I mean, anything she does is going to pop off. There was a very funny, I have a very sort of personal anger against Taylor Swift because my very niche doc, Mr. Organ, is playing in some little theaters and her film was playing, I heard from a few people that went and obviously the Taylor Swift film was playing next door. And they said the noise that bled through this, the wall, <laughs> the bass of the oh music God. mixed with screams of fans and like them jumping <laughs> up and down. And Mr. Organ is like a very quiet, slow film. And they just yes. said it was so oh, wow. like it really changed the tone of Mr. Organ. I kind of love that though. Like it's just Taylor is just like so, so big. She's like encroaching on other cinemas around her. It's kind of amazing. Wow. But yes, pinball. Have a game. If you see one in your local bar, chuck some quarters in, have a jam. It might sort of bring back some nostalgia and you might also find a new hobby like me that maybe you fall in love with. I wonder if they're going to allow Apple Pay. That's a huge hurdle at this point with those games. No one's carrying around change. Yeah, change is kind of crazy. And yeah, I made the mistake at the tournament of, yeah, just having no quarters on me. That is a big thing. And it's like our laundromats episode as well. Obviously with laundromats, they're updating things so they can take card yeah. and tokens. But I'm not sure. I think some pinball machines take cards, but generally, yeah, it's a quarters thing. And that is wow. something that like defines its original kind of time that they were popular in, right? I like it. It's a little bit like we don't care if you play. Yeah, no, totally. Yes, like, <laughs> like you got quarters, you can play, you can do your thing. And it is such a social thing because it was really amazing. At Long Beach, it was just such an assortment of ages and people that were just clearly very different from each other. Most of them weren't amazing. Some of them were. And they were just teaching each other different things. And it just became this instant leveler where everyone had something to talk about. That's really nice. And that's sort of hard to find, I think. And that's what I really liked about it. Anything that elicits community we're we're pro including taylor including taylor yeah oh my god i've just got a little <laughs> shiver thinking about tonight it's gonna be so <laughs> so unusual but no i can't wait it's also long it's about three hours i think i might go at the beginning and then duck out for dinner at a p of no. chang's and then duck absolutely back no for the end three hours i think that's how how long the concert is Oof. you are to stay also, I have to stand, don't I? Like, I can't be sitting in a front row as there's a dance pit in front of me. I've sort of got to get up and probably move my bod around a little bit, don't I? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You'll feel it out, I guess. Oh, God. 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully oh. how it goes. Anyway, all right. Pinball. Well, this was fun. You got to see my childhood desk. Oh, there is an important sticker I I want to show you. Oh, Hold please, on. I love the love heart. I'm curious what was around the love heart at the time. There'd probably be some images of boys around there back no, in the day. This was like kindergarten. I mean, I was, I was. Yeah, right. I, I was still see that. I just had <laughs> my name on it. So cute. But look at this one. Can you read it? I. Want the world drug free? Yeah, oh. I want the world drug free, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> Such a big statement from a child. Oh, they were really on top of us with that Dare program, and yeah, we had Dare in New Zealand as well. Yeah, I remember being very, very, very scared of drugs, but they really, they really get in there, get in early. <laughs> That sticker was so important that I not only stuck it on here, I put tape over it. Oh, that's you really <laughs> believed in that. Did yeah, you have sure the did. Life Education Trust? Did you have that? No. A truck that would turn up at your school and Harold the Giraffe was the mascot. And you'd all be like ushered into this little sort of trailer, which is a stunk because it was like a bunch of like 14 year olds <laughs> being like shoved in such Ugh. a small place. And Harold's would come out, who was this giraffe, like a puppet, and he would educate you about life things, drugs and science. And I don't know if he did sex ed as well. Science. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And one year, because I was quite a suck up as a student, I was always trying to be like the goody good and get in the teacher's yeah. good books. But I volunteered one holidays to be Harold to raise money for the Life Education Trust. <laughs> and so... I had to put on this oh big giraffe suit and the head, the head, Harold's head went up like my head was in the neck and it went up like another meter and a half. And I was quite a tall kid because I got tall quite young. I mean, this was maybe when I was, I don't know, 16 or something and not that young. Oh. Um, but I just remember walking down the main street of Tauranga where I went to school and just bumping my giraffe head on all the overhead signs that were hanging outside the stores and just making oh a real fool God. of myself. Oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. And then were you walking around telling people don't believe in science? No, no, no. Sorry, I should clarify. No, they taught us about science. Oh. Although it was a Christian school, so they did teach exactly. a lot of, like, non-scientific shit there as well. But, no, the giraffe was pro-science, so he had oh. that going for him. He was a good giraffe. But, yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Don't believe in science. That's so, what I thought. It's really good. But yeah, it was. I had a fan in the head because it got so hot in there. There was an electric wow. fan that would go. But yeah, that was me for one summer, Harold the Giraffe. How much money did you raise? Not much. I wasn't great at it. I wasn't, I wasn't great. <laughs> well, when they see this big gangly draft bumping into signs and stuff, hard to take that seriously. Yeah, I wasn't good at that particular job. But I tried. And look, you got to try, don't you? That's yeah. all you need to do in life. Pinball, gotta try pinball. Gotta try it life. Yeah. That's a good motivational <laughs> message to end on. It is. I'll FaceTime you from Taylor tonight. Okay. And I'll let you know how I'm feeling. Can't wait. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.